Hello and welcome to the Lancet HIV podcast for World AIDS Day. I'm Philippa Harris, the Deputy Editor, and today we'll be discussing quality of life for those living with HIV. I'm first speaking with Professor Jeff Lazarus of the Barcelona Institute for Global Health. Jeff is one of the authors of the Lancet HIV series, HIV Outcomes Beyond Viral Suppression. Hi Jeff, thanks for speaking to us today. Well, thank you very much for, for this opportunity. So yeah, I just briefly mentioned the series, HIV Outcomes Beyond Viral Suppression. Do you want to give us a brief overview of what, what the aim of the series is and what it's all about? Sure. So this series builds on earlier work in which we launched the idea of a fourth 90. So the 90s refer to a UNAIDS and WHO strategy in which 90% of all people estimated to have HIV are diagnosed, 90% of them are on treatment, and 90% of them are virally suppressed. When a country reports that they have, they've reached the 390s, about 73% of all people estimated to be living with HIV are virally suppressed. We felt that while that was an admirable goal, it's, it's very clinically focused. Um, it also doesn't address the important issue of health-related quality of life. It's extremely important to get people with HIV diagnosed on treatment and to make sure that they're adhering to their treatment and are virally suppressed. But there are other issues that aren't captured in that now global framework. So this series was really launched, you know, as you mentioned in the name, to look at issues that go beyond viral suppression and specifically around quality of life and, and what is meant by quality of life since it's interpreted by so many people in, in so many different ways. Now, the series itself consists of three reviews and two commentaries. And the first review really captures the concept of the fourth 90. It's called Reorienting Health Systems to Care for People with HIV Beyond Viral Suppression. And the second review addresses the important issue of patient-reported outcomes to enhance person-centered HIV care. And the third issue looks at stigma reduction interventions in people living with HIV to improve their health-related quality of life. The, um, the two commentaries, one is on e-health, which is extremely important in terms of the major digital developments we've seen and expect to come and how they relate to, to HIV care, and a commentary from a low-income country perspective, namely um, Uganda, which has suffered so much um, from the HIV epidemic. So you talked about quality of life um, as being, you know, a, a a focus that, that we should be moving to look at. What do you think the main barriers are for, for good quality of life for people living with HIV? Well, I think the issue of the ongoing stigma and discrimination that is so pervasive around the world can't really be emphasized enough. It affects people living with HIV in, in so many different ways, from perhaps reduced adherence to their medicine to even more upstream and, and unwillingness um, to get tested. So, um, so I believe that stigma um, foments discrimination um, and that these are issues that, um, that, that are major barriers um, for quality of life. I also think the health system itself um, presents some barriers. It, health systems are still organized in a very vertical, disease-specific fashion. And the issues facing um, people living with HIV really require a multidisciplinary approach, not just for their HIV and the related comorbidities, but also um, sometimes going to the hospitals, your only point of care with, let's say, the system um, and people living with HIV um, will be facing issues related to financial stability, housing, issues that face many people, yet these are people who have historically been 
um, discriminated against. They're they're in our care. They're now at the hospital in the system. And I think um, the health system needs to do more um, to address some of these issues again that go um, that go beyond viral suppression, beyond just um, the immediate um, and traditional, let's say, issues related to HIV, but to some of these um, other challenges that they're that they're now facing. And what sort of actions do you think? the community needs to take to, to address these issues? Well, I believe that um, patient involvement and affected community involvement is extremely important in communities that are particularly affected by, um, by HIV. In some co- populations, that, that's more the general population. Um, but it's also specifically people who inject drugs, men who have sex with men, um, sex workers, others who have, who have had a... Um, have had a much higher prevalence than the general population. So really the short answer is to overcome um, those barriers I just, I just mentioned. But I think there are four priority areas um, for action. So they include um, integrating HIV services and, and non-HIV services in the health system, reducing HIV-related discrimination throughout society, but in particular um, in healthcare settings. There are laws and regulations um, on the books that are simply discriminatory. Um, we've seen country by country how they're starting to be removed, but it's 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 low-hanging fruit to see where there are discriminatory discriminatory laws, what countries um, that have been successful in removing them have done, and then to make sure that happens in the rest of the world. We also need to identify indicators to to monitor health systems' progress towards new goals, new goals and targets that go beyond um, the viral suppression issue. And finally, um, you know, related to, to these affected communities, we really need to look at how to catalyze um, their engagement um, in continuing to address um, a more broadly focused um, HIV response. Um, in the context of, of an increasing burden of chronic diseases, I think we, we must consider the shift that's underway in the HIV field in relation to burgeoning policy and programmatic efforts to promote healthy aging. So um, when I started working in the field of HIV, most people were were under the age of 50. Now most people living with HIV are over the age of 50. So they face the health issues and quality of life issues that everyone who's aging and and older faces. Um, But again, it's more acute in this population because they've been living often for a very long time with HIV, or even with with AIDS. And you talked about, um, you know, we we need to record um, and and measure measure things so that we know how we're progressing with with achieving sort of improvements in quality of life. What, what are the kind of things do you think we need to be recording, and and how can we come up with a, a measurement that's meaningful? So there's a lot of challenges to to understanding the fourth ninety and, and to having a metric that that really captures it well. Firstly, I think, you know, when we ask a country, why do people living with HIV end up in the hospital? Um, They really can't report this at the national level. Typically, the data comes from a particular hospital or from a cohort. But the fact that we know so much about health and people living with HIV and don't know why they end up in hospital tells me that we need surveillance systems um, that are are reporting that. And related to that is, is mortality. We know what common co-infections and comorbidities are, but we don't always know at the country level what people living with HIV are dying of. You ask a country to report um, um, you know, why, what were the causes of death of people living with HIV in your country, and they won't be able to um, 
hit a button and, and give you um, a figure. They might for the whole country, but not particularly for people living with HIV. So we really need to be able to capture that kind of data. And then as we develop a, a metric for, um, for measuring the fourth 90, and it's something my group and, and, and our collaborators are, are working on, we really need to look at what are the priority comorbidities to uh, monitor. Not all countries will have the capacity um, to monitor all comorbid conditions. So we need to simplify that and highlight what the priority conditions are. Um, we, most countries aren't measuring um, health-related quality of life or quality of life at all among people living with HIV. So the first step is to start those measurements among people living with HIV um, in representative samples to make sure there's a comparison with general population, and then to start to standardize and simplify um, the tools that are measuring quality of life. Countries with a greater capacity should do a lot more, but um, we need a metric that, that's, that can be used um, around the world. So that means a very simple, um, standardized, validated quality of life um, measure. And then finally, um, you know, that, I think such a metric around the fourth 90 needs to look at the um, discriminatory laws that are still in place in some countries and, and sort out how to, how to capture and measure that. So really a fourth 90 measure would be a composite indicator, including those three issues around um, comorbidities, discriminatory laws, and health-related quality of life measures in people living with HIV. And I mean, you touched on then, um, you know, any measures we need, we have need to be global. Um, and so, I mean, you think this is an issue that is affects, you know, the entire population of, of people living with HIV globally? I have, I have no doubt. Um, obviously, you know, in high-income countries, we, we like to think we're, we're doing better, but when we recently carried out some focus group discussions in, in Spain where I work, um, and there are migrant populations, people who had been in prison, people who had a history of injecting drugs or sex work, um, they were suffering greatly um, in life, um, but also in particular with, with their HIV, difficulties in adhering, difficulties in disclosures. And that's, that's even more widespread in, in, in low-income countries where they may not have those particular um, transmission routes or, or, or risk group associations, um, but they have um, great quality of life challenges where having HIV can mean exclusion from their community or, or their village or town. They can lose their job. Um, they face financial hardship. Um, even where drug prices, antiretroviral therapy has, has come down greatly, um, where there are charges, um, it disproportionately affects the poor, leaving them... Um, you know, with great, great financial challenges. So I do think that, um, that this is a, a global issue and it will become, I don't know if it will become more acute as we do better towards achieving the third 90 round viral suppression, but I think it will come more into focus. Um, we'll start to realize that um, addressing people living with HIV is a way to make health systems improvements that can actually affect, um, that can affect everyone. As we age, we, we all are going to need um, more multidisciplinary care. We'll need health systems that are more fit for purpose, more effective, and more efficient. So just as people living with HIV drove the response to HIV in the early days where it was a major societal issue um, around the world, I think, again, there's, there's a role, a central role for um, addressing HIV in improving um, our health systems and making sure that um, discriminatory laws in, in society um, are removed, 
um, that there's a better understanding of how to address comorbidities in, in everyone, not just um, those living with HIV. Great. Well, thank you very much for talking to us today. Um, and the series is online if anyone wants to read it. Well, thank you very much. And thank you very much to, to the Lancet HIV for, for taking on this issue. And now to get a wider perspective on the themes we've just discussed with Jeff, we're going to get a patient perspective. So we're speaking to Nikos Dedes, former chair of the European AIDS Treatment Group. Um, so Nikos, thank you for speaking to us today. Uh, thank you for the invitation. And I was hoping you could talk to us about examples of stigma and discrimination in healthcare settings that people living with HIV have experienced. Even after all these years where the science has provided with so many uh, instruments to deal with HIV, uh, there's still a pervasive ignorance, uh, even within the healthcare uh, setting, uh, which results uh, that when uh, people living with HIV, uh, because of uh, encountering comorbidities uh, and need to access uh, different services other than their HIV specialists, uh, we, we always uh, uh, find in many countries uh, that this is still a, a problem. And what kind of impact does that have on people's quality of life? Well, it's huge uh, because uh, what we have been achieving with the medicines of today uh, is to fully control and suppress uh, the virus and uh, achieve what UNAIDS has set as a target, uh, which is to be uh, to have the virus undetectable. Uh, but uh, the problems for people living with HIV today begin uh, beyond. Uh, those targets, as we call them, uh, the fourth 90 targets. Uh, and uh, uh, it's not just also the, the fact that uh, there's ignorance around uh, uh, the, the current status of uh, HIV or mode of transmission, but it is also the preconceptions uh, and stereotyping of who is actually affected uh, by HIV. So in the minds of many, uh, it's a set of... Uh, uh, people, groups uh, which are affected, for which also uh, we face stigma and discrimination, uh, namely um, men who have sex with men uh, or sex workers might be more affected, obviously uh, migrants and refugees, uh, people who have been in and out of jail, uh, people who use drugs. So you can imagine uh, that uh, for all those groups, uh, uh, there would be stigma and discrimination uh, just because of who they are. Right, so it extends beyond just people living with HIV to the, the wider community. Exactly. Uh, and then of course, uh, all of these groups also uh, face um, mental health problems, not always, uh, but many. Uh, and mental health in and by itself is again, uh, not very well uh, recognized and catered to by healthcare physicians other, of course, than uh, psychologists and uh, psychotherapists. And so you talked about the fourth 90. Um, obviously, the UN 1990 targets are a very measurable way of, of assessing progress. How do you think healthcare systems need to record and, and measure quality of life um, data? Well, uh, this is why we are so much uh, uh, in favor of validating patient-reported outcomes. In reality, all, all side effects and uh, adverse reactions are reported by the patients uh, in the first place. So what we consider uh, the uh, measurable uh, issues uh, in clinical trials are still reported 
by the patients and the doctors uh, together. What we have not managed to do is uh, identify uh, more modern ways of measuring quality of life. Of course, the, the, there are instruments uh, which exist and that are validated, but many times we feel that they are not uh, they were not designed uh, together with patients, and we don't feel they represent uh, what we need uh, as, as people uh, who are interested in, in our well-being. And so, I mean, that's one way that you think um, patients and physicians and the kind of wider healthcare profession need to work together to improve the quality of life beyond viral suppression for people living with HIV. Yes, I mean, for HIV, uh, social determinants are also, uh, that means going even beyond the healthcare setting uh, are extremely important. We have to approach uh, the well-being in a holistic manner. Um, so we have to address the needs uh, outside the healthcare system uh, through the welfare system as well. I mean, if you are homeless, there is no way that you can possibly have, uh, a, you know, the fourth 90 uh, beyond viral suppression. Uh, but uh, as I said, uh, it, it, we should also evaluate uh, satisfaction and, uh, and uh, um, functionality uh, beyond just a measurement in the lab. Um, and as I mentioned at the beginning, you're the former chair of the European AIDS Treatment Group. I wondered how sort of generalizable um, these issues are, you think, across the European region? Quality of life uh, is not a luxury that uh, one has to worry about uh, uh, only once all the other uh, issues have been addressed. It, it, it is universal uh, imperative. Uh, and uh, of course, still access remains <clears throat> a problem for some regions, but uh, quality of life uh, is what would also ensure uh, that uh, people are coming forward uh, to get diagnosed, retained uh, in, in healthcare service uh, and of course they can then continue being productive uh, with their uh, in the workplace uh, and uh, socially. Okay great well thank you very much for speaking to us. Well thank you once again for the invitation. So you can access the series which discusses all of these themes and our wider content on the Lancet HIV website part of lancet.org.